You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. You're listening to the Pull Box Podcast. The International Graphic Novel Book Club. Here are your hosts, Curtis Finley and Michael Cohen. Hello and welcome back to the Pull Box Podcast. This is our 69th episode. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen. I'm your other host, Curtis Findlay. And uh, speaking of 69, this is the episode where we talk about the Avengers and the X-Men going at it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> going at it in a very different way. Yeah, I couldn't uh, I couldn't resist. But uh, yeah, Avengers versus X-Men, that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, this is the, uh, the, the 12-issue, 12-plus issue compilation because there's like issue zero and the epilogue and whatever um by so many different creators that uh, i'm not even gonna bother oh man Uh, yes everybody it's a a who's who of of modern marvel yeah actually not not even modern marvel how long ago was this now like four four yeah avengers versus x-men is a few years back um this was one of the major uh crossover events um you know, like uh, like an identity crisis or yeah. crisis on infinite others or, uh, you know, House of M sort of thing. Um, and basically... 2002, 2000... or sorry, 2012 and 2013. There you go. So this story uh, centers around uh, the, the Phoenix. And uh, I think one of the coolest things that it does is it takes a traditionally X-Men bound concept and it involves the rest of the marvel universe yeah um and i i the phoenix is classic so uh when you when you invoke that name you better be serious about what you're gonna do and uh, and it can go one of two ways it can be absolutely horrendous or it could be one of the coolest stories to come out of marvel in a long time and i think that this is the latter this is like you put that in 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 context it's 2012 2013 like we're right in the middle of you know marvel cinematic universe hype this is 2012 we're talking about like before people were starting to burn out on this stuff and you started getting the uh the cliche responses of oh marvel movies I don't watch Marvel. Movies, <laughs> um, Did you? I, Marvel had a press release yeah. the other day uh, yeah. that said that they are going to not have any major events for the next eighteen months. Marvel Comics. Marvel Comics. Okay. Because I think people are so burned out of yeah. these huge big events. I I I absolutely one hundred percent agree yeah. that that's a that's a good choice. It's a great choice because the majority of events are basically soft reboots. Uh, that's what it's been used as the last yeah. few years, and I think that they're pissing off their core base. But where Avengers versus X Men is different is that this doesn't soft reboot anything. No, nope. this is a continuation of stories that preexist it, and and leaves us in a place to tell some awesome new stories. Now, they have absolutely destroyed. Uh, the Marvel Universe for the X-Men since this. Yeah. But this is really the last time that the X-Men got uh, a big hurrah um, before Marvel decided, you know what, Fox? We're not going to support your property anymore. (laughs) Um, Because Disney and Marvel want 
those characters back. Yeah. So uh, you'll notice that in in modern comics, more recent comics, I should say, because this is pretty modern, but more recent stuff, the X Men look nothing like the X Men. Yep. Um, they killed Wolverine a couple years ago, and replaced him with Old Man Logan. Uh, which at the time they thought was pretty clever because they went, yeah, we can still have Logan, but, <laughs> but he, he won't, doesn't. He won't be Hugh Jackman. But Logan. he doesn't look like. And then Marvel, yeah. and then Fox went, you know what? Hey, that's a great idea. That's a, that's a, that's a wonderful <laughs> idea. We'll make Logan. Yeah, and um, no one will admit that that's yeah. their strategy. But no. they've disbanded the Fantastic Four for the same reason. Yep. Fantastic Four hasn't been a comic for like yep. four years now, or something like that. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah. So Wolverine was basically like relegated to the Avengers and, um, yeah. uh, you know, sort of team up books. Uh, that's where he was being used. He wasn't really a part of the X-Men stories. They would like siphon him off and go like, you're part of the X-Force now so that we can put you in a completely different costume. Yeah. That's unrecognizable, um, until they killed him off. Uh, uh, which is actually a comic that we should pick up sometime. Cause it's a, I hear it's a pretty good one, but, um, this kind of this is kind of the last moment before that, and actually um, seeks to undo one of the stupidest things that Marvel ever did, which was basically wipe out the mutants. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just a little bit of the backstory. Oh man, where to begin? <laughs> yeah. So so the X Men backstory is the Phoenix, right? Uh, I shouldn't have to give too much of this because everybody should know this by now. If you're listening to this podcast, that's for sure. Um, the Phoenix force is this cosmic force that, uh, shows up every once in a while, attaches itself to a host and, uh, destroys basically everything in its path, um, myth, with the myth, intention of rebirth, right? Yeah. Uh, that's the mythology. Yeah. The Phoenix goes way back like thousands of years yeah. is this, this creature that, uh, destroys everything with yeah. fire in, and then out of the ashes will come a, a rebirth. Yeah. Something yeah. new. Yeah, so I uh, back in back in what the seventies? Yeah, late seventies. the Phoenix came to Earth <clears throat> and attached itself to Jean Grey, uh, who was previously Miss Marvel. Uh, and, no, uh, uh, Marvel Girl. Or sorry, Marvel Girl. Yeah, I always I always do that. I always mix them. Um, and uh, and was actually probably one of the kind of throwaway characters. She was just your token female member of the X Men up until that point. Well, and even in that point, she wasn't even an X Men because yes, it, it, through the '60s, X Men the sales just got worse and worse until they canceled, canceled the it, title, yeah. and then uh, Len Wein and Chris Claremont and and team brought in a completely new version of the X Men. With uh, Storm and Wolverine. Yeah, and Colossus and, yeah. and all of these people. and yeah. Characters all of these... who we would now consider classic X-Men who yeah, weren't Nightcrawler. actually part of the original team. Um, and then yeah. people who are like uh, recreating, people who are down on recreating these teams with all new characters and stuff like that, they're like, well, remember that X-Men did that and was yeah. actually, it was really, really good. So give give these guys a chance. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, it's in the nature of the X-Men to every few years break down the team. Yeah. And, and because of rebuild. that giant size, yeah, yeah. Um, following and, the tradition. And actually, recently they split it into two again. So we yep. have X Men Blue and X Men Gold. Nice. Um, which is which is sort of a classic '90s concept uh, for but, the characters. But through that time, um, all of these the original 
X-Men team, they weren't those characters weren't really being used. Yeah. Um Cyclops was still kind of on the X-Men, but yeah. uh Beast went to the Avengers yeah. and Iceman was on I think the Defenders for a while or something. Yeah. Same with Archangel and um or not he wasn't Archangel at the time, just Angel. Just Angel but yeah. yeah, Marvel Girl was kind of yeah. just floating around. Yeah. I think she went back to normal school or something like that. Yeah, and and then the the Phoenix Force attaches itself to her, yeah. um, and she becomes the Phoenix. Yeah, uh, which goes pretty well for a little while until the Phoenix Force does what it always does, which is uh, uh, corrupt, right? And it starts. It's a it's a ridiculous amount of power for yeah. any mortal to wield. Um, and so eventually, she transforms from the Phoenix into the Dark Phoenix. And uh, and and dies, uh, and uh, so Jean Grey dies, and then you know eventually she comes back, and then she dies again, and uh, <laughs> currently she's dead. She's actually been dead for quite a while, uh, basically since the. I think it's uh, um, since the uh, not Ennis the. Um, it was the Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison and yeah, sorry. Paul Quitely. Yeah, um, which was basically when uh, when. The actually was it New X Men? Is yeah. that what it was called? That's when yeah. it was started. Yeah, um, which coincided with the X Men film franchise yeah. starting, which had Jean Grey in it. Yeah, so they brought back Jean Grey. They basically built the team out of the characters, and they from changed the movie. their costumes. That yeah. was back when Fox and Marvel thought that they were doing really well. <laughs> well, that was back when Marvel didn't have any plans, right? right. Marvel was actually a it's couple. Like, years you want to make a movie? Yeah, Mar- please. Marvel a couple years previous to that was on hard times. Yeah. Hard to believe. And, uh, yeah. And in order to stay alive, sold off the rights to the X-Men and Fantastic Four and Spider-Man and every property. Daredevil and Ghost Rider and everybody. That's why we had all of these movies that weren't connected, right? Yeah. So they were, they were all f- kind of coming to up different, different studios. studios. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and slowly some of those rights started to come back to them. But more importantly, it put Marvel into a position where, where they had to uh, basically m- make good with what they had. And what they had left was Iron Man <laughs> and Captain America and Thor and a bunch of characters well, that even, nobody cared about. Yeah, they, those were all actually licensed to Paramount, I think. That's, tr- that's true. Well, no, they weren't licensed to Paramount. Paramount... Paramount uh, distributed Iron Man. Okay. But Iron Man was made by Marvel Studios. Oh, yes. And no one cared about Iron Man. It's nope. hard to believe now, but Iron Man struggled for C-level years. level characters, for sure. To yeah. have any sort of ratings. Um, I, remember, I remember in the 90s when uh, X-Men and Spider-Man were at their height with the animated series. Yeah. And, uh, and out of nowhere, they were like, and we're also making Fantastic Four. And Iron Man. Yeah. And then like that Iron Man animated but, series oh, man. is god awful. They, they didn't put their top team on that. No. That f- no. At all. Like, um, <laughs> it, 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 it also, yeah. it's also just, it's unfortunately, I, I, you know, when you're making a cartoon, um, the stuff that made Iron Man good back then was not cartoon fodder. There yeah. was much more uh, mature storylines about right. uh, alcoholism and... <laughs> Not the sort of thing that you want on CBS at eight o'clock in the morning. Um, yeah. So stuff that would be great for the movies down the line, but, uh, but yeah, like this is all kind of important context for where Marvel is with these properties at the time. And that was also around the time that Brian Michael Bendis came on board with Marvel. Yes. Um, because he is kind of a mover and shaker. Um, 
and he started a lot of threads um, mm. in those days uh, with Avengers disassembled and such, yes. which bring us to the point where we are with all of these characters yeah. now. He kind of is the the architect of the Mar- Marvel Universe yeah. now. Yeah, so the, the Phoenix Force came, it took over Jean Grey, she died. The Phoenix Force was destroyed, seemingly. Yeah. Um, defeated, at least. Um, but it was always kind of this looming threat that it would come back. And we've talked about the Phoenix Force before because we we did uh, the Guardians all-new X-Men crossover, which was very much about the Phoenix Force. Right. Um, but in which is much, it's more modern than this story. In, in this one, basically the Phoenix Force is coming back. And the reason why the Phoenix Force is coming back ties into another major Marvel event, which was House of M, which was when Scarlet Witch, uh, she, a former member of the Avengers, used her reality-altering powers to create an alternate version of the Marvel Universe where there were basically no mutants. And, I mean, like, there weren't... There, there were still some mutants, but there were... She says basically no more mutants. That's 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 sort of her the phrase. Um, and out somehow of that, all of the main characters were yeah, spared. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, in the aftermath of you know, as they always do with alternate reality stories, they finally figure out that there's something wrong, put it back to normal, and in doing so, the world that's created afterwards is a world where. Hundreds, if not uh, thousands or millions of mutants that existed previously are just normal people. Yeah. Um, it's basically just the X-Men and a few sort of like side characters that... that a few re- plot devices. Yeah, that, that retain their mutant uh, uh, abilities. Um, and most importantly, yeah. there are no more mutants being born. Right. Um, so that puts us at... I mean, that doesn't put us at, but that puts us, all of the pieces in play for Avengers versus X-Men to take place. Avengers Disassembled is sort of an important part of this, and one day we'll do Avengers Disassembled, because it's a great story. Um, but it definitely, uh, the Avengers have, have um, they've been, the name has been tarnished, but then sort of brought back. At this point, one of the reasons why it's been brought back is because there's an Avengers movie. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you've got you've got a lot of characters on the side of the Avengers. It's basically the rest of the Marvel Universe. And yeah, then, and then yeah. all of the X-Men on the X-Men side. Including a bunch of people I didn't realize were on the Avengers, like Thing yep. and Iron Fist. Yeah. Um, Doctor Strange. Like, yeah. they're not actually official Avengers at this point, are they? I don't think that they were part of the official team they during just this them run. In. I, this is one of those instances where, because it's such a big threat, that the current Avengers team activates everybody who's ever been an Avenger. Yeah. Um, and in some instances, that includes right. members of the X-Men. So uh, Beast, Wolverine, Scarlet Witch... Quicksilver, they're all on the side of the Avengers. Well, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch have been Avengers since the yes. 60s. So yeah. that's... Uh, well, that's where they were introduced, right? Yeah. So... Um, so uh, well, no, they were introduced in X-Men, but were they, oh, they okay. quickly went over to become Avengers. Okay. Like, really quick. Um, yeah. So so the, the, the story is essentially that, that the Phoenix Force is coming back um, and the mutants catch wind of this. Um, and when they do... Basically, Scott Summers, uh, who is the leader of the X-Men at this point, 
Um, like the full leader, not just the leader of their team, but like the leader, leader of the mutants. Like Xavier is gone. Yeah. He's left and gone somewhere else. Um, well, he had died and then come back. Uh, but when he came back, he didn't have anything to do with the school or the X-Men. Um, okay. But uh, Scott and Emma, uh, Emma Frost, uh, are basically the leaders of mutant kind. Yep. Uh, Magneto has renounced his evil ways and sort of fallen in line with with the X-Men. Because uh, he's their, a good guy in the movies, people. On their team. <laughs> um, and uh, they catch wind of this. And there's a character that, that had come a few years previous, the first mutant born in like a decade. Uh, and that's hope. Um, and she, after she was born was very quickly snatched up by cable who took her into the time stream to protect her. And they jumped around all throughout time. Cause that's what happened to him. Yep. As he trained her <clears throat> to become basically the savior of the mutant race. Um, and now here comes the, um, the, the power that they need in order for her to take on that role as the savior. So the X-Men firmly believe that, uh, that hope has been prepared or is being prepared to take on the Phoenix force and use the Phoenix force to basically create a new era of mutant kind. Cause yeah. the Phoenix force is a, a force of rebirth. Right. And so, you know, when you're, when your species is on the verge of extinction, uh, you look to that as, as a, a source mm-hmm. of hope. Yep. Right. Totally. Um, so they're preparing for this. Meanwhile, who, who's, who is hope's parents? I, they were just, they were just humans and, and I'm pretty sure that they're dead. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. they weren't important. Um, she's it, it, it the the consensus is that hope is basically a manifestation of the original timeline yeah writing itself okay and that she's potentially gene gray reborn like like a like sort of a reincarnated gene gray right in a slightly different form and that's why like when you look at her she, she looks like gene gray right yeah she's right. a younger gene gray um and you have to remember that this is before all new X-Men. Yeah, yeah. So this is before Jean Grey from the past comes to the future and blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, I, the Avengers catch wind of this. And when they catch wind of this, they go, uh-oh, the Phoenix Force is, is incredibly dangerous. And I, I, we're going to do something about it. Um, and they go to... San Francisco to, uh, to, uh, what do they call it? Utopia. Yep. Um, which is the new X-Men headquarters after Cyclops takes over. He takes everybody to San Francisco. Um, and they basically set up, I think on Alcatraz or something like that. And they take it over and turn it into their base. Um, or like an Island somewhere in the Bay or something like that. Not a floating Um, asteroid. No, not a floating asteroid. I, but sort of to get away from, the rest of the superhero community. And yeah. here comes the whole superhero community on a helicarrier and Captain America shows up to say to Cyclops, like hand over the girl. Um, and, uh, and, uh, Cyclops doesn't take kindly to that. And is like, you know, I, I, you guys have never been there to help us before. Why are you all of a sudden here to help us now? Uh, it's because you're trying to save your own skins, right? And they don't care about the mutant plight. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I think 
the most important thing from this book is that it brings up the conversation of why are the X-Men separate, right? Yeah. Because they are. They are segregated within the Marvel Universe from the rest of the superhero community. There are a few standout characters who transition into main character status in, in, in the Marvel Universe. But the majority of the X-Men, I mean, like – can you imagine Gambit hanging out with Iron Man? I can't. But why is it so easy to imagine Wolverine hanging out with Iron Man? Right. Right? Um, like they've been they've been intentionally separate for a very long time. Yeah. And and the reason from a writing standpoint is that the X-Men need to have their own fight. Right. They are not fighting for mankind. They are fighting for mutant kind. Their stories center around that. Um and they have for a long time. And that's yep. sort of that's what they're about. Um and and I think that they just got to the point where the internal struggles of the mutant race was getting to be a little bit too much. And uh and so they decided, you know, let's have let's have all the mutants fight all of the superheroes. See what happens. <laughs> I, and I, I, the, the, the core premise is, is kind of silly, which is basically just fight it out. Um, but the story itself, as it unfolds, ends up becoming one of my favorite Marvel stories of all time. Because you, much like Logan, when we talked about that, you start to deconstruct some of these characters and get at, what their motivations are, where they're coming from and, uh, and why they are superheroes. Um, in particular, there is just a phenomenal Spider-Man story contained within this, which you would not expect because like Spider-Man with the X-Men yeah. and the Avengers, like, isn't he totally out of place? But then you, you get to this point where he imparts some wisdom I, I sort of Uncle Ben through Peter Parker in, in imparts this wisdom to uh, to Hope, and uh, he's got this great moment where he's like, "Look, the Avengers is a big machine. There's a lot of moving parts. Most of the time, you just kind of go where the big guys tell you to go, and you hope that when your moment comes." You live up to it, yeah. right? You prove that you're that you're supposed to be a part of this team, and uh, and of course he says that at the beginning of that specific issue, and by the end of that issue, he has his moment, yeah, where he essentially sacrifices himself and comes within an inch of being killed um, in order to to save the rest of the team, um, and ends up outsmarting two of the uh, <laughs> the the Phoenix powered X Men mm-hmm. um, in the process, and and actually like a major win for for the Avengers side who like the Avengers are actually, they lose the majority of this. Uh, it's, it's kind of crazy. You have that many superheroes with that many powers and they're They're on the ropes for a lot of the story. Um, but yeah, it, it, it gets into some really cool stuff with some individual characters and it made me think of Scott Summers in a way that I had not previously thought of him. Um, and, uh, he's the bad guy in this book spoilers. Uh, but by the end of it, um, you're kind of sitting there going, he might be the bad guy, but he's kind of right. And uh, <laughs> Well, and that was the one thing that I, uh, that I took away from this is that um, uh, Cyclops has been going down this path for a long time, ever since Grant Morrison got a hold of Cyclops. Yeah. 
and he's been having this relationship with Emma Frost. Yeah. I think because of her influence a lot as well. And now that Magneto's on the team as well, yep. he's been going through this kind of rethinking his, his way of, uh, of, of seeing the world. Um, and, um, this is where, this is the, a big turning point for that. Yep. Like he, he's been slowly, slowly going down this and now he's faced to actually confront, um, his actions mm -hmm. and his actions are more Magneto than they are Xavier. Yeah. Uh, and then now when we look at Cyclops in X-Men comics now, he's completely Magneto. Yeah. In fact, I think, doesn't he wear Magneto's helmet or something? No, or no I, no, else. but he has definitely uh, changed his outfit and become much more, he looks much more like a super villain. Yeah. Um, actually, he's, uh, spoilers, he's dead now. Oh, uh, well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he he died, I think, I think sometime within the last year. Um I think mostly because they had too many versions of these characters running around that weren't that you weren't able to differentiate from one another. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, like they they've they have young Cyclops and old Cyclops. One of them's got to go. Yeah, so they got rid of old Cyclops and replaced them with the young one. Um, Beast, you can have two of because one's blue and furry, and the other one looks like a man. So yeah, and then with Angel, one has metal wings and the other one has feather wings. So you can say like, eh. Whatever. Um, well, I think people are also getting kind of tired of old, angry Cyclops. Yeah, yeah. So they wanted so too. Yeah, um, reboot yeah, him. Definitely. I mean, like, like this, this, this story gave me an appreciation for his position, and um, it's real fun to bag on Cyclops. I think because everybody loves Wolverine so much. Yeah. And Wolverine hates Cyclops. Right. Right. So I, I think that it's really popular and it's really easy to just say like Cyclops is the worst. Cyclops such a jerk. Cyclops <laughs> is a is a you know, he's a frat boy with superpowers basically. Um but what this comic does is it goes, "No, Cyclops is Captain America." If Captain America was representing a race of people that were being slowly exterminated right. by the supervillains, right? Yeah, well, and that's the thing is is um, Captain America in this comic is doing the same thing yep. as Cyclops. He is defending, like, there's a threat to yeah. humans, uh, and so he's trying to solve the problem, He's yeah. he, and he's being aggressive and totally pig-headed about it, just like Cyclops is, but yeah. um, they're, they're, they are doing yeah. the exact same thing to each other. Absolutely, and there's a great moment uh, at a certain point when they storm the they storm utopia and they capture a bunch of the they capture the new x-men the the kids yep um and uh and take them prisoner and lock them up without due process yep. when those kids have done nothing wrong right and iron man walks in and goes hold up hold up yeah a couple of years ago i'm pretty sure you were ready to kill me because I was doing something very similar to this. <laughs> I've seen the error of my ways. Are you sure this is a path you want to go down? And Cap is like, look, I don't have a choice, right? Like that we're not talking about defending the, we're not talking about saving the city or, you know, keeping America safe. This is the, the future of mankind. So is this right? out of character for Captain America? I think it's not. And, and, you know, is it out of character for Chris Evans' version of Captain America? Probably. I think that that movie version of Cap is, is even more altruistic than the comic version. Um, I think that, that a little bit of Ultimate Cap has seeped into 
the 616 timeline yeah. into into our cap, especially because like this is post ultimate. You know, like this is about the same time that the Ultimate Universe was sort of being wound down. Yeah. Um. And so they were taking a lot of those ideas and just reintegrating them into the regular comics. And at this point, Cap has died and come back. And you know, like it, like Bucky was Captain America for a while. He was Super Soldier, and then he's taken back the mantle of Captain America. Right. So this is like all of this has happened. And now he's Captain America and this happens, right, on his watch. He's the leader of the Avengers again. And this is what he has to deal with is this cosmic threat way beyond his ability to to handle. Um, And he has to lead the world in defending against this threat. So I think that that faced with that amount of pressure – I think absolutely it is within his character. And I think that it reveals a really important thing about comic book superheroes um, and especially a lot of the Avengers because in the Marvel Universe, we talk about it being so grounded. Um, it's the same idea as football. Any given Sunday, you know, like like any team can beat any team. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that in comics – comes down to spider-man what he says with great power comes great responsibility right and all of these characters wield a ridiculous amount of power and at one point or another they've found themselves on the wrong side of the conflict because they're human at the end of the day captain america is not superman right superman shouldn't make these mistakes because he is the superman Right. He is supposed to be better than that, which is one of the reasons why when you write him as a as a horribly flawed character, not a not an endearingly flawed character, but like a horribly flawed character as they were in the new 52 for the last little while. (laughs) um, You break down that character. and He doesn't exist anymore because he's supposed to be truth, justice in the American way. Captain America is similar, but Captain America, like you at the court, he's a he's a military man. Right. Like he. Right he solves all of his problems by fighting. So as idealistic as he is at the end of the day, the character has this one horrible flaw, which is that his solution to everything is to throw his shield at it. Right. Works most of the time. It does. It works. It works pretty fantastically. Right. Uh, And that comes up in this. I mean, uh, there should have been a more diplomatic solution, but cap showed up unannounced put his feet on basically what Cyclops considers sovereign territory and said, hand over the girl or else. Yeah. And Cyclops said, or else, right? Right. Like he chose or else. And the reason why he chooses that is he goes, you think we don't know that there's a helicarrier just outside of view bristling with every hero you've got. Like you came here looking for a fight and that's absolutely true. Yeah. Cap shows up ready to put fist to face and Cyclops says, I, I don't accept. Bluff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He, he says like, look, if you want to go to war, you're fighting for like your beliefs. I'm fighting for my people, like for, for the right to exist. Right. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, I think that the, the Avengers absolutely win. They save the day, they save the earth, but I fall on the side of Cyclops. Like, like, and more than Civil War, I think like this this book is is way more interesting to see where people 
side. Yeah. Because I I personally think that Cyclops is 100% right throughout all of this. Um he makes mistakes. They all make mistakes. Uh and and circumstances change halfway through it when uh Iron Man dissipates the Phoenix Force and actually ends up splitting it into five. So instead yep. of it going into hope, it goes into five of the X-Men. Or five mutants, I should say, because Namor's not an X-Men. He was weird being in this comic. It's, I was it like, was why, very odd. Why but are you here? Super important, I think, because he does like he has that legacy and he's a king. Yeah. Right? So what happens when you give him that power? And Namor is a bad guy. Like he's a bad guy who parades around as a hero. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's hot headed and doesn't have the same sort of, uh, of, uh, value of life. And yeah, his moral compass is way skewed because he's a dictator. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and this is, this is one of the reasons why I love the book so much is that it pits all of these characters from the Marvel universe against each other, sometimes physically and other times mentally or emotionally. And so when you put Namor up against Black Panther, yeah. It's this thing of like they're both kings, right? But also superheroes, and like, how does the crown weigh on both of them, right? And mm-hmm. and I, I, the conflict that that ensues between the two of them is is awesome, and and it actually ends up splitting up Storm and and Black Panther, like they yeah they, they were married at the yeah time. they were married and they get divorced as a result, or they don't even get divorced. The, the high priest of Wakanda annuls their marriage, and yep. at which point Storm goes, wait a second, you're the high priest of Wakanda. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that must be nice to have the, the power <laughs> to annul your own marriages. It's like, that didn't happen. Um, but yeah, it, it, it does, it puts characters in really interesting positions, and there are some really thought-provoking conversations that happen throughout the book. Mm-hmm. So where do you fall? Um, you, in the conflict? Like, who do yeah. I side with? Yeah. Well... I side with Cyclops, yeah, um, because I because I know like anyone who would be fighting for their their extinction, yeah, um, I think he has the right to do so. Um, his methods are completely wrong. Yeah, um, he took he threw the first punch. Yeah, which I don't think was a very good idea, and uh, and everything after that, especially once he gets the Phoenix Force, I can't blame Cyclops for all of that stuff no, because he's influenced. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, is this Cyclops talking or is this the Phoenix talking? Yeah. And I'm not too sure. So, um, but at the same time, yeah, it they, they've crafted the story in the way that you can be on either side and yeah. be right. Yeah. Um, so it's like, doesn't really matter <laughs> who I pick. It doesn't. <laughs> no, but that, I think that's where like the interesting conversations come out because yeah. I've talked to other people who are like, Cyclops is an a-hole, right? Like he's yeah. such, he's, he is. Su- he's a bad guy in he, this book. And it's like, yes, he is. But the thing that makes that interesting is that he is Magneto. Yeah. And why do we love Magneto? Because Magneto was right. Every time Magneto is right, because what is Magneto always saying? He's saying like, look, you want to coexist with these humans. They want to exterminate you. Yeah. Right. Like if you give them an inch, they will take a mile. And that mile is mutant lives every single time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Magneto is right every time. Whenever he says that, you know, he, he, cause 
he has that awesome backstory where he can say like, look, you were willing to do this to your own people just because they were a different race. Yeah. Mutants are a different species. And like what, what's going to stop humankind from wiping them out. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so as, as a, a race and a nation, they absolutely have the right to defend themselves. And, uh, and this is Cyclops's character coming full circle. My only thing is that when Cyclops gets to this point after this, it's like, what is there left to do? Right. Like, cause that character has sort of fulfilled his purpose. Yeah. Um, and the only thing left to do is to reboot the character, which they did, right? You're they, right. They've brought well, him back from being a kid. But and, like five years after that, yeah, like they um, they hung on and made him kind of go deeper and deeper. For sure. Well, and they 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 played him off of young Cyclops, right? Right. But, yeah. But um, I think there's this event, and then there's what's the event that I can't remember the event that comes after this, but whatever comes after this is. The event that's like one too many that that leads to the all new X Men um, that starts to fracture or no that's the was a secret invasion. What is it? When maybe it is maybe it is Avengers versus X Men that leads into all new X Men because yeah sorry I'm getting my things mixed up. All new X Men is the is the straw that breaks the camel's back that starts to undo the universe um, that because Beast travels back in time and pulls the X-Men out of where they're supposed to be. And it's, and you know, it starts to, to undo the fabric of, of time and space. But, uh, I, I think it might be, I think all new X-Men might take place right after this. It could be, I'm pretty sure it does because it's sort of like, it's, it's, it's in response to this, um, beast goes back and grabs, the young versions of Cyclops so that he can bring them forward so that Cyclops can see how far he's fallen by compare, like by seeing who he was. Um, that would, that's sort of his whole point. Um, yeah, I, it, I'm, I wonder if I read this first or if I read all new X-Men first, I think I might've read this first, but as far as this whole series goes as a whole, I really think it could have been done in six issues. <laughs> I mean, they put so much emphasis on Absolutely. these pointless battles and fights. Yeah. Like there are, there's a ridiculous number of characters yeah. in this book and they, they're not even, they don't even all get a moment to shine. And like, I, yeah. I think I saw X-Man, who is a, such an obscure character from yeah. the Age of Apocalypse. He was in one panel. Yeah. Like, take out all of these characters. Let's boil it down to like, give me seven Avengers and seven X-Men or something yeah. like that. And let's have them battle. And you could do it all in six issues or less and tighten things up. I thought it was a little drawn out. Yeah, for sure. I agree. And, and it's an event, right? So yeah. that's what they do with these events. So, um, and was this like monthly over the course of a whole year? I don't know how it was originally, uh, released. I don't think so. I think it was bi-weekly. Yeah. So I they think had a number of different artists months. on it. So yeah. Yeah, that would make um, more sense because there are like if you're gonna do something like this where yeah. like characters are uh, here, I was also surprised that um, I found it unclear who was dying and who was living because I thought a number of times that characters died, but in the yeah. end, actually nobody died except yeah, for nobody Xavier. Dies. Yeah, 
which was kind of silly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, definitely. There could have been there, there could have been at least one or two more casualties, right? There well, there are times when I like I thought Iceman exploded, and I, I thought I saw that in here, and no, then he's back a little. Or oh, then well, I thought the Thor like got incinerated, and or Hawkeye is completely burned to a crisp, and then he's back in the next issue or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, the problem is that with event books they cross over into the regular books, yeah. right? And so this is just Avengers versus X-Men. There were also storylines in the X-Men books that were Avengers versus X-Men stories, as well as stories in the Avengers books that were Avengers versus X-Men stories, yeah. as well as the tie-in series Avengers versus X-Men versus, <laughs> right? So, oh, um, which yeah, is yeah. just the fights. There's no story there. It's each, each issue has two fights in it. Yeah. And they're basically treated like, boxing matches where it's just yeah. like they're just like title matches and i know that this is these are superhero books so we have to have a lot yeah. of fighting but i'm just tired of all the fighting <laughs> i think what i would like to see is when something like this happens don't don't publish it monthly when you want to have a major event in the future because it disrupts everybody else's storytelling right yeah when you want to have a major event in the future either a don't have them which is which i guess is what marvel's doing right now for 18 months or put this book out like do as it, a whole as a whole just like yeah. a six and make sure. it make it an event and say like okay on x day this epic event is happening and treat it like a movie release right yeah. yeah and say like okay like from that point forward there's going to be changes in your books like like get like get used to the idea that you're going to be confused if you're reading spider-man as to what he's talking about in terms of like fighting colossus and sure. magic right for sure um yeah that'd be great i'd appreciate and that. that way it's like okay just read one book just read one event book that's a that's a but then marvel doesn't get their money because yep, they can absolutely. you know serialize comics get them a ton of money and then they release the collected edition which yes. gets them a ton more money yeah and that's really the problem is that the collectability of it and the and just sort of the money grubbing nature of corporations which you're never going to get away from and you can't fault them for that's why yeah. they exist well and i wonder if there's stuff in there like artist contracts yeah. Uh, are different in, in that way or, or i mean they would be all freelance and stuff i think as well but um yeah. I, it, there's there's a certain i mean i, you get I royalties based on single issues yeah. versus collected editions and such. i would love to see comics just go to collected editions in general i i'm so sick of paying five dollars an issue when i can get you know for six issues when i can get those six issues collected for 20 bucks yeah how does that make any sense right but uh, like this whole collection was Thirty-eight ninety-nine American, uh, and that's twelve issues. Which it's each issue 13, would have been. It's like thirteen and a half issues, I think. Yeah, okay, yeah. This is a zero issue, and there's the zero issue was probably a free comic book day thing. That's oh, okay. generally how they do that. Yeah. Um. And, but then you know, it just twelve issues at four dollars a piece is gonna is gonna add up to a lot more than forty dollars, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. So like, like, you know, you, you're paying a premium to read the stories as they come out. And I've just discovered that like, I don't care enough, you know, I'll just read them when they're collected. So like, cause I read this well after the fact, I read this when this trade paperback came out. Right. It's still enjoyable. Out, yeah. It doesn't matter. You, yep. all you have to do is just not pay attention to what's happening in the comics, <laughs> yeah. which is easier said than done. But cause you walk into a comic book store, somebody wants to tell you about this awesome thing they just read, but right. Yeah. Cool. Well, Avengers versus X Men. There That's it, it is. Yep. I'm glad mm. I read it. I think it's. Um, I like 
making sure that I read the, the major stories eventually. Yeah. Um, so I, I was just completely out of the loop because like there are, there are two hulks in this book and yep. like juggernaut um colossus is wearing a the juggernaut helmet yeah, or something colossus and, was the holder of the, um, the gem of cytorak for a little while yeah and then yeah like black panther and and storm are married yeah. and there's just so much in here that if you haven't been keeping up with the comics you just kind of have to go with the flow <laughs> like yeah. don't question it just just assume that you know what's going on and, and you'll be fine <laughs> yeah for sure cool well uh i think that does it yeah for this one uh Next week, uh, or next episode, we'll be talking about um, Black Science, uh, an image comic from a few years back by Rick Remender, the first volume of that. Cool. Uh, And my poll for next month is going to be Green Arrow Rebirth Volume 1. We just did Superman uh, uh, Rebirth Volume 1. And uh, these are these are coming super highly recommended to me, so that's Good. why I kind of want to jump in here. And uh, and I think maybe we'll have some quiver listeners jump over to check this out. Okay. I'm sure we will. But uh, the, it is uh, the death and life of Oliver Queen, uh, written by uh, Benjamin Percy, and uh, and illustrated by Otto Schmidt and uh, uh, Juan Ferreira. Um, so yeah, the, I'm really excited. This like as much as people were telling me that I needed to read Superman because they people who know I'm a Superman fan, people were like, Green Arrow is actually really really good. Um, and it's it's labeled and everything as the surprise hit Green Arrow. Good. So um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to to picking that up. Yeah, cool. and check out the Epic Marvel podcast if you haven't already. There's some good stuff happening over there. Absolutely. Yep. Cool. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode. Keep reading comics. For more episodes of the Pullbox Podcast, visit us at pullboxpodcast.com or on iTunes. You can find me on various social media websites. Just search for Curtis Findlay. That's Curtis with a K. You can follow me on Twitter at ArcWolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F, and, you know, on Tumblr and Instagram and all those other social medias as well. Uh, go to patreon.com slash thunderquack to support us, where you can kick in as little as a dollar and get a bunch of great rewards the exclusive Thunderquack podcast, as well as access to the Facebook group. And by getting access to the Facebook group, you get that direct line to us to send us suggestions for what we should read on the podcast. If you like this podcast, you can check out other great podcasts on the Thunderquack network by heading to thunderquack.com.